This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Scandal of Reading podcast. In this season, we are discussing the fruits of the Spirit. In this episode in particular, I discuss love. By discussing Revelations of Divine Love by Julian of Norwich, and I discuss the book with the medievalist Grace Hammond, the author of Jesus Through Medieval Eyes. Grace and I relish this opportunity to get to dive deeply into Julian's work But trying to keep the conversation in only 30 minutes means that we did not go as deep as we would have wanted to. I encourage all of you to pick up a copy of Julian Norwich's Revelations of Divine Love. For years, I have used Elizabeth Spearing's translation published by Penguin and recently have discovered Father John Julian's translation with Paraclete Press, which I highly recommend. Hey friends, welcome back to The Scandal of Reading. We have had an amazing season three, and we're glad that you're back with us for another episode. We've got a great interview with S.D. Smith uh, coming up in a few minutes uh, on kindness uh, from the novel Cry the Beloved Country, uh, set in apartheid conditions in South Africa. Um, S.D., a.k.a. Sam, actually lived uh, in South Africa, so he brings a lot of perspective to the conversation. So I hope you stick around for that. But right now I'm with Jessica and Austin, and we're going to talk about the virtue, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Kindness is interesting, friends, because it can feel like a really flat and sort of empty term on its own that is just sort of bland, uh, but it does have deep and rich meaning when we think about it uh, scripturally and theologically. So maybe we can start uh, with this. Why do we get kindness wrong? Why do we? Why does it feel like an empty term? And let's start there, and then maybe we can sort of uh, course correct and, and fill out its meaning. But uh, why, does, why does kindness feel like an sort of empty, blah, bland sort of idea or phrase? Oh, that's beautiful. I, I look forward to getting to hear your conversation because I, I can imagine Sam would have a ton to say about this. You know, I, in my house, we say be kind instead of be nice because nice is even a flatter word. And I'm so glad that the fruit of the spirit is not niceness because, you know, niceness is a word that means nothing anymore. It's so superficial, whereas kindness goes deeper. So I think if we contrast it first with kind with niceness, we start to see how it is a richer word right? It's not just about your manners or just your behaviors. It's about your disposition to the people around you. So Amy Peterson, who has a degree from Duke, and she's, as you mentioned, Claude, you know her too, an Episcopal priest in Asheville. She wrote this amazing book called Where Goodness Still Grows. And she investigates kindness and talks about its root word kin, meaning family. Kindness is where you treat everyone around you as family. And this is not, you know, C.S. Lewis also wrote this um, passage where he says, like, you usually are the worst to your family, right? You, you abuse your family because you know, they're going to continue to love you, you know, despite you yelling at them, whereas you would never just yell at someone you barely knew. And so Amy, you know, kind of reroutes it and says, the way that you treat your family, though, is with a certain vulnerability, 
with uh, an ability to love, a, an openness to being hurt, really, but also that open wideness is what to fully embrace the other too, right? So it's a both and that I, I found really strong in her work. So I think that that's where we find kindness having more meaning than, than sometimes how we use it just in conversation. I think that's rich. And I think contrasting kindness with niceness is a helpful distinction too, Jessica, because I think kindness suggests uh, a recognition of the shared humanity of the person with whom you're, you're attempting to be kind, whereas niceness can just describe a non-hostile uh, disposition that, that, that doesn't really take into account the humanity of the other that just, you know, is attempting to be uh, just just non-hostile or, or, or just a, a, a banal, you know, encounter, whereas kindness is, is, is active. It's uh, and, and, and that activity is rooted in, as you said, a disposition that 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 inevitably understands and recognizes and apprehends the humanity of of, of the person to whom you're offering kindness. I also think. Um, oh, I'll, let me. I'll weigh in re real quick, and then I'll uh, hear what you want to hear. What you have to say, Jessica. I, I think the other thing with kindness too is, and maybe we can get to this. Is um, I also think of it as sort of like a, in a positive sense, a sort of conglomerate term like a, a junk drawer sort of term like i think there's a lot of like branches connected to kindness in terms of how it sort of works out um jessica what, what were you going to say you could pick up on that thread or or you could totally disregard it no i was just thinking you know oftentimes we talk about like how did we learn what we just learned about kindness through novels and i remember reading cry the beloved country in high school and i can see how this will play out so i don't want to you know steal the thunder of whatever conversation you guys are about to have i'll, I'll get to listen to it soon but um Amy talks about it in terms of Native Americans and Americans and the relationship between the two. How would we treat each other like family, which, of course, we did not, um, you know, when uh, when it was when America was colonized. But it makes me think of a book, Caleb's Crossing. It's not a great piece of literature, but it is a really good novel. It's um, about the first Native American to go to Harvard. And the reason he's able to is because of the like the hospitality, the kindness, and not to conflate that too much, but that's how that's the branch that I would see in that novel. The way kindness appears in that novel is the hospitality of people to treat one another like family, even across racial differences in that work. And because of that, like there's a there's a beautiful story that I don't want to ruin where people just learn to be people together and um yeah, so I, I'd recommend that to people, especially if you're looking for something just a really good read. You know, Gertrude, um, what is her last name? Brooks, I think it is. I'm so bad with last names, y'all. But she she got a, a Pulitzer for, for one of her novels. So she is a really great novelist. But um, Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn Brooks. Oh, I got Gwendolyn it. Gwendolyn Brooks. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, I know that name. Okay. I got I didn't it. Know that. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Look at you. Caleb's Crossing. Okay. Yeah, that taught me kindness. That would be mm. the one I would pick. Yeah. I think a, a recent novel, I may have mentioned this on one of our episodes, um, Min uh, Jin Lee's Penchinko, um, that 
also, you know, um, uh, maybe of interest to some of our listeners and to uh, to Austin and I, uh, nice, uh, great portrayals of, of of pastors. That's that's fun to see in literature from time to time. You know, pastors do, doing well. That's that's a, that's a, that's helpful. It's encouraging. Um, I think there's a real threat if we're uh, drawing from Amy's defin- uh, kind of working definition, kindness, kin, uh, treating everyone as family. There's a really strong threat of that throughout the novel, and I think it also helps us situate kindness as um, our kindness is enacted and exists in a, in a in a world that is broken and is very harsh and cold and cruel. So I think of kindness as sort of the counter to the cruelty of the world, um, and that really does come through in Panchinko, and and it does come through as well in Cry the Beloved Country. You're you're, you're thinking along the same lines I was just thinking, Claude. Uh, Pachinko is a great novel, by the way. I completely agree, and I've been struck before by how immediately. Um, um, captivating the 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 famous line that gets bandied about a lot, but the, the Scottish minister Ian McLaren is the one that usually gets attributed the original source. But the "be kind," you never know what battles other folks are facing. That folks hear that, and and you you tend to see on their face a recognition, and a and it's it's just, it's it's a it's a powerful line. It's it's not and it's not just because it's a reminder, but I think the point that you're, you're both making and, and Claude, that you just put your finger on there. That One of the things is that those with whom that we're, we're family, we, we know their struggles. We even, no matter how much tension there might be, we, we know their life story. We know, we know what they're trying to overcome. Even when, when we might be at, at odds with them, we just, we recognize not just the shared humanity, but like the, the, the depths of the brokenness and the, and the cruelty of the world. And, and and we were able to empathize and have compassion in a way that it can be harder for folks when we don't don't immediately recognize what what's happening for them behind closed doors. Um, but I think kindness, uh, the fact that, that that it's connected in that quote and tends to affect people in that way when they hear it, I think it gives us a bit of an insight into the one of the things that substantiates kindness and then distinguish it from something like niceness. To Jessica's point, is that kindness is, is is a response to uh, the cruelty and the brokenness of the world and a, a, a recognition that life is hard for everybody and that 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 by being kind to someone um you're you're, you're honoring the fact that uh that, that you you know that 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 their life is not perfect <laughs> that, that that this little act of kindness other than just a, a, a um a polite nicety is is in fact something that's going to be um, sustaining for them, nourishing, nurturing. That's a that's a great last word, Austin, and it it really does dovetail perfectly into this conversation with S. D. Smith on Cry the Beloved Country. Uh, so, friends, stick around, enjoy that. Uh, send us a note, leave a comment, uh, rate, review, share, all of that good stuff, and enjoy this interview. All right, friends. Well, I'm excited to uh, have this interview conversation with Sam Smith. It goes by the author name S.D. Smith. He is the author of the Green Ember series, a million-selling adventure saga featuring heroic hashtag rabbits with swords. The Green Ember series has spent time as the number one best-selling audiobook in the world on Audible. Sam is also the author of The Madcap, Mooses with Bazookas, and other stories children should never read which I cannot wait to buy for uh, my middle child for Christmas. Um, Sam is also the author of Jack Zulu and the Waylander's Key, a fantasy adventure novel, which he co-wrote with his son. 
Smith's stories are captivating readers across the globe who are hungry for new stories with an old soul. Smith is also a founder and owner of Story Warren, a publishing, events, and IP development house based in rural West Virginia. Story Warren exists to serve families as allies in imagination. And he lives in Grandview, West Virginia, with his wife and four kids. Sam, it's good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Cry the Beloved Country, written by Alan Patton. Uh, came out in uh, 1948. Um, before we get into kind of a little bit of you know what this novel is about, we'll, we'll jump into that too, maybe a little summary for folks to know. But maybe you could start us off with, when did you first encounter this novel from my experience, I think a lot of people, this is a novel that depending on folks' age, they may be encountered actually like in high school. Like it's kind of one of those staples, kind of a classic um, that has uh, sold many copies, been adapted into film. So when did you first encounter this novel? And then we'll kind of talk a little bit about why this novel matters, a little bit of synopsis, and then jump into discussion on kindness. But when did you first come across this work? I can't remember. Um, I, it's one of those things, like you said, I sort of heard about it. I was kind of late, a late reader. It's, it's unusual, I think, for a lot of authors. It feels like a lot of authors grew up around books, and that was just they were they were just uh, in, uh, reading from a very early age, and that was just not my story. I, I played sports, and just I did, you know a lot of boys and men in my sort of culture community didn't didn't read a whole lot. So that was just like a different thing for me. So I, I started reading when I was 15, I think. I mean, I could read, but I just didn't didn't read for for pleasure or anything like that. So I started reading a lot when I was 15 and just got really hooked and, and, and started sort of trying to catch up. And, and I loved uh, English literature. I loved um, uh, classics a whole lot. I sort of veered that way. I, loved, I got exposed to Shakespeare kind of early on, and I just got really hooked with that. Um, but I would say – so. So I may, it may have just come sort of like in the, oh, these are the books you're supposed to read, like To Kill a Mockingbird and, and this kind of thing. But I, but I also, I lived in South Africa. When I was 12 years old, we, we moved to South Africa. So I was, I was a missionary kid. I, I, I moved when I was 12. My first birthday in South Africa, I, was, I turned 13 the day Nelson Mandela was released from prison. And I was there. And uh, so that so the South Africa shaped me a whole lot. I was there most of my teenage years. So I, when I start when I went there, Mandela was in pre, uh, was in prison, and when I left, he was the president. So it was just a an, an amazing time to be there. So so uh, I heard a lot about it there, and I heard a lot about it <clears throat> uh, back here, just sort of in in literary sort of in that field. All these are the books you should be reading. So it kind of like, but I think that my 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 memory is that I came to it fairly late. Uh, surprisingly. So I think I was either in my 20s or my 30s, maybe by the time I actually sat down. I did not read it when I was in South Africa. I, you know, I don't think I read it in high school. Um, but it, but it, when, when I did read it, it was, I related to it profoundly because it, it starts off in, in what they call then Natal. Now is KwaZulu-Natal. And that's where I lived. And so it's just, it's very evocative uh, for me. And actually the, the, the story takes place in Natal and then in Johannesburg. And I, those are the two places that I lived. Um, and so it's, it's a kind of personal in a lot of ways. I lived, my, the first church I was a member of was a Zulu church. Um, and so it's the, the, and the main character in this book is, is a Zulu Umfundis, a pastor. My dad was a, was called Umfundis for many years. I heard him called that, you know, thousands of times. So it's, it's, a, so it's very personal to me. Um, even before I read it, but when I, when right. I read it, it, just, it was, it rang a lot of bells. 
This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu slash admit. You kind of had a, a lived experience in the, uh, in the context um, and in the place. So that that's a, yeah, that's a, extremely unique for, uh, for folks uh, to get a little bit of a um, synopsis. Uh, Cry the Beloved Country is set in South Africa uh, during apartheid. It follows the Zulu pastor, priest, uh, Stephen Kumalo. Uh, he is searching um, for uh for his son, he's searching for a couple of family members, but he ends up searching for his son, uh, Absalom. And so he has to sort of journey out from small town into uh, the city, really into kind of like the modern world of Johannesburg. And he he does so, and it, it, it's, a, it's a different world for him. He has to sort of be guided. He doesn't know his way. It, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange and foreign land, essentially. And as he's searching for his son, uh, he finds out that his son has been... Uh, caught up um, in in the murder um, uh, of a man, Mr. Jarvis, who was doing uh, social reform uh, and activism. He's been, he's been working for uh, for the rights of um, uh, of the native people uh, there against uh, oppression uh, and apartheid. And so now Kumalo has to uh, navigate this profound tragedy, which as the novel unfolds, he realizes this tragedy has uh, several deep layers uh, that, that, imp- that are connected to his life back home. And so it's a novel that um, deals, you, you watch a character uh, sort of spiral into uh, deeper and deeper anguish and suffering. Uh, and yet at the same time as um, Father Kumalo is experiencing this, there are other people who come around him with with kindness and with love there's a character of father vincent uh there's the the lawyer uh mr carmichael and so it's this this novel that's um really um poignant and painful uh in regards to suffering and injustice and yet at the same time it is regarded as a novel that is 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 hopeful as well um that there's a sort of hope and love and endurance that can arise even in the face of, of real suffering. So hopefully that helps people paint the picture. It's a, it's a novel worth reading. Um, if, if, if you haven't got to it, I, I came to it late as well. Um, when you, when you think about this novel, we're, we've been talking about kindness. Um, and your kindness is one of the fruits of the spirit. I'm thinking of, even of a, Ephesians four, the apostle Paul, um, really lays this vision where Christians are called to sort of be emblems of kindness, uh, out of God's kindness. And Ephesians four thirty one, the apostle Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the sort of kindness that God gives to us, summed up in forgiveness and, and mercy, uh, is supposed to mark the people of God. Um, I'm wondering, you know, when you think about this idea of kindness, how do you do you see that as a thread um, in Cry the Beloved Country? Where do you see kindness, or maybe you know where do you see um, in the novel the absence of kindness, uh, maybe cruelty or or harshness? Well, you, that's a great summary of of the book, and and even while you're sort of doing the summary, I was just thinking of the other points of resonance that exist in it. <laughs> I'm from super rural West Virginia. 
lived in rural South Africa too, and then moved to Joburg and just sort of, I, I relate so much to Kamala's experience. Uh, it's also a very, it's a Christian, very, very Christian novel too, but it's also even almost particularly Anglican in many ways, which I, when I first read it, I wasn't an Anglican. Uh, my last reading, which was recently, I, w- I was. And so I almost related to it again in another new way. So it's just, it hits me in so many, so many ways. But to me, when I think about kindness in the book, I think about uh, Mzumango, the, the 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 character who is, I think he is just one of the heroes of the story for sure. He, he has the, the the quote of the book, in my opinion, which is just stuck stuck with me um, when he's confronted with his with his goodness. Uh, and, and and it's it's not I, the, all the characters are complicated. So when you talked about like the opposite of kindness, like Kumalo, who's a who is a good man, a, a priest? He, he, he at times wants to hurt people with his words and wields the power of pain. And 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 even Mzimago does that at times. There's so they're, they're they're complicated people. They're not just sort of tropes, um, which I love. Uh, so they're they're, in, they're interesting in that way. But I would say Mzimago is is such a good and generous man. And he's and and, and when when. Um, Father Kamalo says to him, you know, praises him. He says, uh, I'm a weak and sinful man, but God has put his hands on me. That is all. And that's repeated a few times in the story. Um, but I, I, I relate to that so much in whatever even small success I have. I f- that's how I feel. And I mean, when I read, when I first, you know, just read those words, I thought, oh, that is, that's life right there. I'm a weak and sinful man, but God has put his hands on me. So I think Mzumango's kindness, which is so uh, pronounced in the story, I feel like relates to his humility, relates to his his orientation toward God, who he is, and uh, as a child of God. And that has a sort of a climax for him personally in the story, um, which which you know which ends with a with a pretty with a really profound act of kindness toward the very poor. Uh, Reverend Kamalo and his family, and so he, he's he, he's sort of a, an instrument for the renewal of of an air of of a community uh, and family in the midst of horrific uh, tragedy and, and and horrible news and death and and um, so so yeah, it was among us to me sort of epitomized. Actually, if you think about who, when you say kindness, I remember you talking about is there is there a book that you know the theme of kindness, and I just immediately thought of him. I thought of the, the book, but I thought of him, that character, Mzumongo. And he's not he's not even in the story all the time. He's just in it, for, but he's, to me, he's, his presence is, just oozes kindness. And it's from God. It feels like it's rooted in God because he's a, he's, a, uh, he's a vocational, he's a priest as well. You know, the other thing that really resonates regarding the novel and hearing you talk about it, Sam, is sort of just the connection between um, the rural and the city. Um, the connection between uh, the sort of dynamics of societies and civilizations. I'm, I'm thinking about throughout the novel, one of the things that's really powerful, and this will, I think, further our discussion about kindness. One of the things that's really powerful is um, the, uh, the the social reform of the activist who who is killed. Uh, his, his, his father doesn't really know the work that, that his son has been doing. Um, and so he begins to, in the novel, he reads the letters uh, of his son's sort of writings and, and speeches uh, in which he's talking about um, the racism and the injustice that's happening. 
And it's a really powerful device for um, for sort of drawing us deeply into the into this world. But what really struck me looking back on the novel, thinking through the thread of kindness, was the aspect that we can think about kindness in terms of interpersonal relations, but also like the world, because it's broken by sin, is is in many ways um, not a kind place. Yeah, the world the world is a, a harsh place in many in many ways in, in many respects. There's also, of course, uh, God's common grace, where we see the goodness and the beauty of the world and people and societies um, that works in a restraining way as well. But we have to acknowledge, right? It doesn't it doesn't take uh, much perusing of the news to really recognize the the world is a cold and cruel place. It is an unkind place in many regards. And I'm and I'm struck by one part in the um, in one of uh, the younger uh, Mr. Jarvis, the son, the activist. Um, where he's talking about uh, the sort of old tribal system uh, and the new civilization and how uh, the impact of the new civilization uh, and social changes has destroyed tribal culture, uh, leading to uh, hopelessness, despair, um, uh, crime, and all sorts of things. Uh, and, and so he, he says this, um, he says, the old tribal system was destroyed by the impact of our own civilization. Our civilization has therefore an inescapable duty to set up another system of order and tradition and convention. Now, th- this really struck me uh, because I was thinking about the novel in term uh, through this lens of kindness and this sort of reality that we think of interpersonally, but also something that that scales right to to how we treat one another socially. And it and it and it just dawns on me, you know, talking uh, talking with you about you know you have experience. Um, in the rural parts of South, South Africa, also coming into Johannesburg, uh, you live in West Virginia, um, and so how do you, how do you think about those sort of dynamics? The connection um, between uh, the rural, uh, the city, uh, and kindness on a level that goes beyond um, the interpersonal, but to how we relate to our neighbors, kind of on large scale. Yeah, boy. Uh... It's funny that you 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 see that the letters of the son in the story uh, sort of bearing fruit in the life of the father uh, after he's gone after the the boy after the son is gone and it's it's sort of a, you almost get to see a little bit of him making an effort which I also love about the story because you're you have a, it's not just a complaint or a lament which is, there's a place for all that but it is a um, it is hopeful like you used the word hopeful earlier in that it it doesn't it doesn't just shrug which is a very easy thing to do in africa uh, because you have you have again and again um, the evilest thing in the world colonialism replaced by hey now we're free and now you get a communist dictatorship you know just happens again, or, or some kind of a dictatorship, another oppressive yeah. system, another. It's like, yeah. hey, this is a different brand of 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 of, of evil, and I don't, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, this one's better than that, but it's just, it's not great a lot, and so it's it's very tempting to just say, oh, it's, and I think we're, it's tempting to, in, in America, it's tempting everywhere to sort of just throw your hands up and say, uh, pox on all the houses, and um, but it, but the old the, but the power of an old Pavlover story to me is to is is to see that cha- that change is possible, that that goodness is possible, that kindness is possible, and that um, 
it's worth it that it's and I think the 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 one of the word that comes to mind about the book to me is it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. And then like the second one is it's painful. Uh, I think about those, those together. And of course those don't always um, jive, but they seem to a lot in life and in, in literature. And, uh, and so, so the despair of looking at cultural systems sort of and being and thinking, Oh, well, there's just nothing, nothing to do about it. And I think you, you, you point out a particular one. I mean, my, my people here, poor sort of Appalachian people are, are sort of the, in many ways, they're not, they're not a very sexy group to, <laughs> to sympathize with, you know, every, if you see a poor Appalachian in a film, it's almost always to, they are um, a, an object of scorn because they're in a funny way to make fun of, which, you know, who cares? That's fine. But, um, or they're villains, you know, who are just, horribly racist and horribly evil and they they hold bigoted old-fashioned views often they they go to church they're christians but they're they're intolerant horrible people so they're they're not a this group of people but it's almost entirely well, west virginia is entirely rural so so the and the challenges of like the the i mean obviously in in the united states even the the the, the a large part of our clashes are city versus rural and the the challenges of even with like Christians thinking about like um, about uh, church planning or that kind of thing, I just I, I I I do I am concerned about the the challenges of overlooking rural people and, and um, the the cost of that and sometimes the cost of sort of an obsession with cities. Uh, the, what do, what do cities what do cities and and the the book is like a prophecy about it or a. <laughs> Uh, it's a revelation about um, about what cities do, often do to disconnected people. They they breed disconnected people, and disconnected people. You know, it's not to say that you you often do, and maybe it's similar to what, we, what I was saying about the African continent in general. But when you're disconnected, you get different kind of problems. So you, you might have a, it's not a it's a down with the old system, uh, up with the new uh, with the new tyranny. And and I think there's a, there is a there are challenges in rural impoverished cultures. Certainly, we've got so many um, here, um, but I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know that um, that like the city's solutions are always the same. Are always are always the the, the right thing. I, 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 you're asking more about this sort of the broader responsibility of people to other people to to the disruption of people and, and that's there and the ongoing sort of wreckage of disruption. And uh, that's certainly, I mean, you just that's played out all over Africa for sure and 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 here. And I mean, my own community is a community that is, it's a widowed place. It's people leave, people with uh, resources, people with talent, people with opportunity leave. And so that has a compounding effect on the people left behind. Not only is there a lamentation, not only there's a sorrow associated with that, but there's um, there's a sort of a, uh, a, a compounding dysfunction. That, that that happens in the wake of those of those people leaving. So I so the the I relate keenly to the sort of the the both the beauty and the pain um, of Indochini in the book, uh, and I and I re- relate to the hope of what is begins to happen at the end of that book. It makes me um, 
hopeful or and prayerful about the many places like that I'm aware of in Africa and the community I live in now where, where I'm from originally. I don't think I answered your question at all, but I talked a lot. I uh, think you did. Yeah, I think you did. I mean, it, it's interesting to think about um, Kamalo's experience coming from, you know, kind of coming from the village, coming from the rural area, coming into Johannesburg. And his first experience, his first inter- he's so bewildered and confu- and he's just shocked and overwhelmed. Buses, the people, the sounds, the buildings. And he doesn't know how to get the ticket to 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 get on the bus. And his first interaction is he thinks he's being treated kindly, but he's actually being duped and his bag, you know, his stuff is being stolen. He's he's spotted as a mark. And so it's sort of like, OK, here you are now, this connect this rural and urban um, intersection. And it's marked by, you know, from our from our lens. Right. It's not just theft, but it's unkindness. Right. A, a real lack of, of of charity and hospitality to to someone from a different place. Um and so I think there's a really interesting uh, additional lens to think through this theme of kindness in relation to place in the novel as well. And as you mentioned, there is uh, an act of sort of uh, generosity and kindness and faithfulness and renewal that comes to the, this place, you know, outside the city toward the end of the novel, which I think is uh, is really fascinating and is part of that hope as well. Um, but but I do think, you know, the part of this novel part of the gift of this novel and one of the ways I think it can shape us uh, as Christians is to help us think about um, place, right? And to think about what is, what is our relationship to one another through, you know, in terms of kindness, but also to, to the places, you know, that we call home, you know, the places that we belong to, the people that we belong to, you know, the people that are overlooked and Kamalu, you know, as he comes uh, into the city, he's certainly overlooked or when he's looked at, he's looked at as sort of, um, you know, an easy target, right? Uh, someone, someone to be uh, sort of used, um, used and abused in in that sense. So I, I think there's there's a lot for us to think about from this novel, particularly in our context as Americans, as you mentioned, in relation to so many of our clashes are uh, city versus rural, right? Um, um, and and those particular dynamics. Um, I, I'm also I'm also interested um, in. In the way you mentioned the, the novel being beautiful and painful, um, I think that's a really great way to sort of sum up what's tied together here. And it's interesting. Uh, I was I was flipping back through the novel, trying to look at you know um, through this lens of kindness, and there are a couple of key places where actually um, Patton uses the term kindness. Uh, kindness is is a, is a refrain, probably at least about uh, somewhere between eight or ten times. And there's a really, um, really rich moment later in the novel. Uh, in, in my book, it's on two. Uh, it's on two sixty one, and um, Kamalu is sort of discussing, um, you know, if he's able to, um, like, if he's able to maintain faith, if he can continue to believe, um, and the context is, you know, the world is full of trouble. You know, his son. Um, his son has been found guilty despite uh, despite the best efforts of Mr. Carmichael. Uh, his son is is set to be executed. And uh, Kamalu says this, um, he says, despite the pain of the world, he says, uh, I believe, uh, but I've learned that it is a secret. Pain and suffering, they are a secret. Kindness and love, they are a secret. But I have learned that kindness and love can pay for pain and suffering. There is my wife and you, my friend, and these people who welcomed me. 
and the child who is so eager to be here with us. This is the, um, the child of his, uh, his son. So in my suffering, I can believe. And I think this is, um, you know, another really potent moment in the novel. And it's tying together both what you, what you've laid out for us, Sam, the, the, the beauty and the pain of the novel. And then it's also showing, um, that kindness and love have a way of, um, not negating pain and suffering, but are a way of enduring and in a way, and in some sense, a way of, um, of moving through, uh, almost over some overcoming in a way. Um, what, what, what do you make of that, uh, that section from Kamalo as he's tying all these things together, really making sense of his own experience? I, I was, my, my last reading of it, I, I was, I was struck by, I think it was, it may be the exact part you're talking about, or that may have been just sort of almost the prelude to the thing I'm thinking of. But when, when he sort of, at the end of the story, he he's dealing with the, with the impending death of his son uh, by going up the mountain to pray and he uh and I, I was struck exactly i don't know if it's in exactly that passage but he he sort of and and he, he he's done it several times he's done it when he thought that his son was going to die as a young person from a from a um, health scare he does it one he goes up on the mountain um to pray about a job because he gets offered a job to work at a store that would have been made a lot more money so it's basically like should he leave his vocation as a priest and then the other time when he didn't tell his wife is that he was he was tempted to adultery and he so he spent time in that those are the three times i think if i remember correctly that he spent time so all just so relatable you know sort of like stuff of life kind of things and that he keeps going to the lord um in the same way that jesus did you know like in this remote place in a, in a mountain to pray and he does this at the end and, and i can't believe what, what what is astonishing to me is his yeah his orientation is so um, he and he sees, and, and that's you were talking about earlier. But like how people see him, like how how the 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 um, the, the tricky guy that, that steals his money at the when he first goes to Joburg, that's a that's a guy seeing him for what he you know sort of as a rube, a country rube or whatever. And then there's people like Umzamango who see him, and there's other people. There's even white people who see him as like a human being, you know. And and it's uh, and it's so that's it's a lot about seeing. And and what does he see at the end? He's so and you, we go through these these this despair and this top and even sin with him where he lashes out. And but then when he's at this in this time, what does he do? He, you know, in this moment of incredible despair where you're just if you're a human being and you're reading that and you're not moved to tears, I don't I don't know what's going on. Because it's so deeply moving, just the, the pain of his situation is. I mean, it, I don't know if I really heard, heard about that as a uh, thing that actually happened in the world. I don't know if I would feel any different. That's the power of fiction to me. But just, just it, I just went through it again, and and it's it's fresh, and I feel it, you know, like a real loss, like a real funeral. And it, it's, but he, what does he do? He he has this litany of thanksgiving. All throughout, and it's a lot of it is about seeing, and and he thanks God for for Mzimongo. and he he piles on this list of things to be thankful for, and lots of them happened in Johannesburg, lots of them happened from people in Johannesburg seeing him, white people, black people, people in the priesthood, people you know outside of it, and and he just he just it's like he counts his blessings, and he does it over and over again in the face of sort of 
lots of really evidence to the contrary. <laughs> he has this, it's, it's, but I don't think it's naive, but it's, um, but it's audacious, you know, his, his gratitude and his, his, um, his capacity for hope is pretty, whew. I, I was challenged by it because it immediately made me think like, oh, am I seeing that? Am I seeing the kindness of God in my life and the kindness of God through people? So uh, it's, a, a, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful in so many, in so many ways, <laughs> insightful, deep, powerful. Um, but uh, yeah, that, 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 um, that part of the book where he is seeing things and recounting them. And sometimes it's Patton or Peyton saying that, you know, sort of, he has a lot of, it's a really weird book because it doesn't exactly go straight. There's like, there's commentary and it's like, there is. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's, you're not inside Kamala. It's a very, so Kamala is the main character, but there's, he's, there's a lot about Jarvis and it's a lot, it's really not, it's a, it's a, it's a very much a Alan Payton's a white South African. It's a very much a white South African book in a lot of ways, even though it's sort of centers Zulu character, but it's a lot about the kindness of white folks against the, um, you know, the, the, maybe the custom of the day that's that, that uh, stood out to me again this last time, surprisingly. So it's, it's a weird book, but, but yeah, to me that, that whole, that whole, that, that litany of Thanksgiving in the face of unbelievable grief and, and, and um, bad, evil news, evil tidings, evil circumstances. And even, even checks himself. Say, if I, what if I'd gone a week earlier? And I would just like, yeah, man, I would be living in that. I'd be rolling around in that. And he's just like, that's not, you know, that's a silly thing to, to dwell on. And I'm like, How could you not dwell on that all the time? He's just, that's not, you know, he's, so he's got this surrender um, to God and gratitude in the face of it. That's, that is deeply painful and profoundly beautiful. And that that might be that's helpful because that might be some of um, some of the gift that the novel presents readers in terms of how to uh, walk in pain and suffering. How to um, you know, there's a sort of ability that's still there for Kamalo to see and receive uh, kindness, right? To to you know, the Thanksgiving is the is the product of this recognition of these gifts, right? These gifts of kindness that have come from God, but have come through these people constantly, you know, he's, as he comes to the city, he's being, uh, you know, he's, he's preyed upon in the first instance, but in many other instances, people are welcoming him. They're putting, uh, they're putting him up in their homes. They're showing him how to navigate things. Mr. Carmichael, the lawyer says, you know, I'm going to do this, not pro bono, but pro deo, like for God's sake, for free, I'm doing this unto the Lord, all of these different instances. And Kamalo sees, though, he gives thanks for all of these things at the end in the midst of this pain because he sees God's kindness to him through these people despite um, a, a, a real horrific loss. And I think, you know, that that can be instructive for us, you know, to sort of look and to see where, you know, where is the kindness of God present around us through people. And it's also something that we can look for and receive, but it's also something that we can, by God's help and grace, act out, you know, to, we can, we can be agents of kindness, right? To be kind in a harsh world is to be an agent of God's kindness. And um, we can do that, you know, through, through the help of the spirit, how we see our neighbors, you know, how we welcome them. we can offer a kind word, a kind meal, you know, a kind handshake, a kind, you know, there's all sorts of ways that we can do this. And so I think, I'm I'm really helped by talking through this with you because that's sort of brought 
peeled back some of these new new layers of okay this is this is what Kamalo is um is walking through and i think this kindness lens really does illumine a whole lot oh man yeah and don't you see don't you think that so many of the we're talking about beauty and pain and all that kind of stuff like to me the the fiction or real stuff whatever that that deals with suffering like that's what i want to read and that's what i feel like i need in my life is like i don't really need stuff that helps me indulge in my bitterness or rage or my resentment or my pride or like the stuff that and I feel like there's a lot of fuel for that. Like there's so much fuel for envy just everywhere. Cause that's like our system. It feels like it's just like, you know, trying to get as much as other people. And I guess that's just been the way from the beginning why we have the 10 commandments, you know, but, but, but it's so, it's so, it's, and it's not just Kamala, you know, that's what Jarvis does too. What Jarvis is in the face of, and so all of these, it's, to me, I find a lot of books are, or a lot of great stories are about fathers and sons. And, and that's what this book is about, obviously. And it's absolutely, it's right on the nose with the name Absalom, you know, but then Jarvis and his son, I mean, and it's this, this, uh, this, this father becoming the child of the son philosophically in a way and, and, and sort of living out. And what does he what does he do in the in the uh, as, as a result of the murder of his son, his life changes to into one of intense kindness and like particular kindness, and it's it's a it's it's pretty beautiful you know and it, and it's part of the healing of Indu Cheney, which is this sort of like sadness underneath a lot of even the particular sadness of the fathers and sons and the death and the murder and crime and all this kind of stuff. It's like these places, like you said, this dry. And in, in the book, it's just, it's dry. It's like literally dry, no rain and barren. And the people are leaving. And it, for so many ways, I just think, oh, oh, this feels very close to home and in many, many ways. <laughs> uh, but then, but what is the, you know, it's the particular kindness and the particular gifts of what, what Jarvis is capable of is very different than what, and, and, and even the particular assignment of a native expert in farming is this sort of vision of his son just being lived out. Anyway, it's just, it's the, he, re, uh, he reacts to the, the worst thing that can happen in the world by, <laughs> having this very Christian kindness. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's showing us this, this is possible, right? This is yeah. a way, this is a way we can be, and we can't control, um, we can't control this world. We can't control the evil. We can't control tragedy. You know, certainly we're called to, uh, to righteousness in every way. Right. But we, we don't have, we, we can't control these things, but you know, there is a way to respond that doesn't perpetuate the same cycle, but tries to break free into a new path, you know, by, by God's help. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you, Sam, making time diving into this with us. Um, where, where can people, uh, where can people stay up to date with, with, with your work? Um, how can people stay tapped in with you? Well, I, I'm just, you know, just your, your summary there at the end makes me like not want to tell anyone to go online for anything. Because, yeah. So, okay. Don't go online, on is the, <laughs> online is the place of the impotent rage. You know, it's like the, where we, where we, and, and like, it's exactly the opposite of this sort of like doing things that are actually sort of new creation sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I can, you can find me at sdsmith.com. All my, I think all my stuff's on there. If, uh, if you, if people want to, We'll have read that in much the, in the... worse books than cry the book. <laughs> if you, if you want to read a lot <laughs> way down from the mooses with bazookas should not be mentioned in the same, uh, <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentences, 
cry the beloved country. But I tell you what, that book did inspire me to think like, what was, what's the story of, my, of sort of my people or my, mm. my place. Like I've, I've been thinking about that before that, but that book really encouraged me to think, to keep uh, sort of the, the soil of my soul awake for the seeds that could grow into a story that was, that, that tried to tell my people's sort of, or my place's story, like in a, in a way that was as generous and beautiful or, 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 or as, as I can do, I guess. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think that that place element to this novel is really powerful. So I hope people um, people will meditate on that as well. Sam, thank you. You've uh, you, you've given uh, given us some good things to consider uh, around this really great novel. Appreciate your time, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.